It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSEN. Here we go. Welcome in. This is Follow the Money live in downtown Las Vegas. It is Mitch Moss along with Polly Howard here today. Coming up over the next three hours, we have Josh Applebaum in 30 minutes. He'll uh, give us a market report in the NFL. Pat Forty on college football in an hour. Aaron Renning, NBA professional sports better in 90 minutes. And the maestro today, Wednesdays with Mike Palm in studio a little bit later on today. As we start today's program, Paulie, by kicking around what took place last night with the uh, college football committee rankings. Uh, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I said yesterday on the show that uh, I wish I could bet on this though because I thought Tennessee would be number four. But you know what? I was pleasantly surprised, I'll put it that way, that they basically said, here you go, TCU. You're number four. Now go ahead. Take it, right? Go ahead and win this weekend as a seven-point dog against Texas. Go undefeated, and you're probably going to be in the Final Four at that point. Lose, and you're out. But we, we threw you a bone anyway for one week by putting you number four. Mm-hmm. Funny how it changed in one week, though. When they're bashing them about how you're falling behind, and now hey, you're finding a way to win. <laughs> Great job, Right. I change. I, I'm telling uh-huh. you, there is no set criteria. Yeah. No matter what they say, they make it up. Uh, Felica said this last week. They make it up. I, they, to me, they make it up on a weekly basis and a yearly basis. Right. And, and they and they whoever the committee chair is, they put them in a tough spot because he has to go out there yeah. and try to uh, explain why they made some of these moves. Which, as we said yesterday, brand name bias is all going to be the uh, the go to move for them year in year out. I Reese Davis said this. I hope he's right. They will go to 12 by 2024, and then we're done with this mess. Yeah, I think so, right? too. And, and it's just how it should be like every other sport, and even D- Division Three and Division Two, and even more teams, right? Well, we can get to 12 and move on from this uh, in a couple of years. I also like what Reese said, that Tennessee is going to block LSU. I think so, too. But does that include an LSU win over Georgia in the SEC title game? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Okay. I mean, to beat them. By the way, that that scenario is very far fetched. Oh, for LSU to run the table? Maybe not very. Yeah, yeah, to run the table and then to go, you know, to to Georgia and and beat them in the SEC title game. And just that that Georgia is the best team in the country right now. Yes. But I I know. Upsets happen, I know. They they, they take the field knowing they're already in. They're just playing for seeding. There's some turnovers. Kelly's done a great job. Yada, yada, yada. But he's right. When you go on the road and win 40 to 13. I will agree with what he said, and I said it yesterday as well. Then you see that's reflected in the odds. Tennessee now as high as 240. 
You got to risk two forty to win a hundred. Right. Tennessee to make to make the playoff. Oh, they are sitting pretty. Yes, they are. Win your games, Tennessee, and uh, very good chance, obviously, that you're going to uh, be in here. And I also like what uh, the guys on the show said last night. I think it was a little bit of Reese. It was a little bit of Kirk Herbstreet. When Herbie pointed out, like, look, I don't care about the Oregon loss to Georgia. The fact that it was forty six points. He said, uh, you know, Tennessee lost by 14 against uh, Georgia. Could have been worse than that. And they also said they could have played a team like, you know, Sacramento State or Utah State in week one. Instead, they traveled across the country to play the champs. Excellent. And it happened a long time ago. And now they're killing everybody since then. That should not factor into this whatsoever. And I'm glad that they said it last night. Uh Uh-huh. Well done. There was no reason for Oregon to play that game. No reason. No, they didn't have to. Yeah. Now, it didn't go well. It was embarrassing. It was ugly. I, I like Andy Staples said that on this show about a month ago about they're not going to care that they lost by four yeah, six if they run the table yeah, and yeah. get in there. So that was well done by everyone there last night uh, also. And the other thing is, it's I mean, it's right there for the Pac-12. How do they screw this up? Based on history, they probably <laughs> will. Where it's chaos and they beat each other up. <laughs> yes. But it's right there for them. And and to, to t- speak a brand name bias, USC without a good win. Sitting there at number eight. What did we say yesterday? And here comes UCLA, Notre Dame, and if they survive those games, then the Pac-12 title game. So they're sitting there at eight with a bad resume. But here comes two big opponents in UCLA and Notre Dame. And on the flip side, yes, they are being punished for a lousy non-conference, but UCLA in trouble. Even if they can win UCLA at 12 Oh, with two good wins. Yeah, this morning, UCLA, they are 6-1, to one, down from 7-1 to one yesterday before the committee ranking show to make the playoff, and uh, that's how the Pac-12 could screw this up. If UCLA runs the table, that would include, obviously, wins over USC coming up in the regular season and a win over Oregon, let's say, in the Pac-12 title game. I don't know if a 12-1 and one UCLA team gets in. Look at how, and yep. again, that, exactly our point yesterday, the brand name bias here. This is why I still think Caleb Williams is live to win the Heisman Trophy. Hell, they're playing on national TV Friday night against Colorado. What if they score 70? Colorado's one of the worst teams in the country. He throws yeah. five, six, seven touchdowns. Lincoln Riley says, go out there. Let's." He apologizes to the Colorado coaching staff before the game. Look, guys, I'm sorry, but if we can get Caleb Williams the Heisman tonight, we're going to do whatever we can. Okay? Uh, they don't have a good win. I give That loss stings because it was a two-point conversion basically at the gun on the road in Salt Lake. But they're eighth. Their resume is not as good as UCLA's resume, but because it says USC, mm-hmm. bam, there they are. Yep. You want more? Texas is 18th. Notre Dame's 20th. Those are three lost teams. Now, Notre Dame, yeah. Notre Dame had a nice win Saturday. They also lost at home to Marshall and Stanford. Huh? Come on now. And they're sitting there at 20, and that's still left for USC. Uh, but the other thing, I'll push back a little bit. It, it also depends on you who UCLA plays. Do they get to atone for the Oregon loss in the Pac-12 title game, or are they playing a Utah or somebody like that? Let's and say. Just like, let's I say mean, if they go 12 and one, and and they beat Utah for the second time in a Pac-12 title game, you, you're probably right. Uh, they're not going to go from 12 to four. And the yeah. other thing, I think Michigan's got to. Sh- if there's chaos, right? TCU, we expect TCU to lose, but if there's chaos in the Pac-12 and Michigan loses a classic. Close game at Ohio State. My God, you might see two from the SEC and two from the Big Ten. Yeah, they, you could see three power conferences shut up. They also kicked that around last night, too. Why all this talk of two and for the um, sheep out there saying maybe three SEC teams? Um, get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> they said, why not? Why can't we discuss two Big Ten teams under your exact you scenario? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But let's say, let's say that on. game is... Uh, Let's say Ohio State wins at the gun 38-37, right, on a 41-yard field goal. Let's do it again. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Sure. There's, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay with that. Yes, I am with too. With Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, and Ohio State? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, but if it breaks if, like that. If that, it yeah. breaks that way. I right. mean, it's, it's right there for the Pac-12. But they, they need 11-1 against 11-1 in the Pac-12 title game. Now, Oregon could lose to Utah. They could also lose at Corvallis. Uh UCLA could beat USC and then stumble. I mean, it's it's so USC could lose to Notre Dame. Right? Yep. right. Based on history, they'll screw this up. By the way, to win the Pac-12, Oregon minus 125, set Will Hill. USC plus 175, Utah plus 350, UCLA 6-1. 6-1 to to just to win the conference. Now, if you're paying attention to the odds, Oregon keeps dropping big time to make the playoff. Yeah. They were 10-1 to last week. They were 5-1 to at a book 
on Monday. Then DraftKings opened up plus 370 yesterday. They're down to 3-1 to one right now. Yeah. So, yeah, they went out. I mean, they we're throwing a lot of scenarios out there, obviously, but that's, what, that's why it's fun to me to kick this around and to look at it. Right. You think LSU is not going to get in with an SEC title win, huh? No, I totally agree with Reese. Okay. Tennessee's no. going to block them because they hammered them on the road. The other thing is the, the kick around. Here's what we would. Here's what it would look like right now if we fast forward and when we had a 12-team playoff and what the bracket would look like. Georgia's the one. Ohio State's the two. TCU's the three. Oregon's the four. They get buys. The eight-nine game would be Alabama USC. Oh come on. How are you anti-playoff? Who are these people? These red, uh, The five twelve would be Michigan and Tulane. Good. I, I want to see Tulane get into something uh-huh. like this. They deserve it. Yeah. So you'd have prop. So let's say Forum holds Oregon against Michigan and Georgia. Maybe Georgia against the winner of Alabama USA. Can you imagine the ratings for that game? Oh come on. The quarterfinal. Yeah. In all these games to bet on. Jeez. By the way, I, I can't. The, I can't believe how many people poo-poo oh. this. I just. I will never ever understand that. The ten seven would be Clemson and LSU. Winner gets Ohio State. The six eleven would be Tennessee and Old Miss. Winner gets TCU. There's your dream. What's the total? 91. Wow. Tennessee and TCU. That is awesome. That's what a 12-team playoff would look like. You're, and I hope Reese is right that we get there by in two years. You're telling me that has an LSU-Clemson game has no intrigue because the winner would get Ohio State. Do you know what LSU on a, on a run like this against Ohio State would do in ratings as well? Any of these games. Michigan-Oregon? Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, again, oh. more games to bet on, folks, like this that are meaningful. Right, got to go get Jimmy Vaccaro full marks, and he's not the only one. He Every said, bookmaker you, you used to talk to 10 years ago, oh, it destroyed the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, the handle would just be nuts, and it's going to be. By the way, the chairman of the committee was asked about the, uh, the breakdown here of USC being ahead of UCLA by four spots. Yeah. He said the emotion. Okay, the emotional loss to Utah. I get that part. And he goes, uh, "Well, certainly you need to talk about Caleb Williams. Twenty-eight touchdown passes." <laughs> well, yeah. Well, what's he going to say? What's he supposed to do? Folks. I could, I could have helped him out. UCLA didn't play anybody non-conference. That's but, true. But South, UCLA, South Alabama looks a lot better today than uh, yeah, you know yeah. a month and a half ago. Got, what's he going to do? He can't. He's got to go out there and answer questions. He has to show his work. He can't. Uh-huh. It's fixed behind closed doors. They can't do it. Yeah. Right? It's like I, I have the answers to the test. Someone gave them to me, though, but I can't I can't show the work. I, I cheated on a couple I, tests in college. I, I ever can't tell you that them. before? Huh. My, my brother, in front of the whole class, the math teacher said, Matt, get up there right now, show your work. I don't believe you. I think you're cheating because he was so good with numbers. Oh my, and he yeah. could just, you put any I number had a in front like of him. That. Yeah, John Anderson, my and cousin. He would, he would go, yeah. and you'd go, okay, put any number you want on the board right now. He'd yeah, go up there and give him the answer. He goes, How, he, 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 the math I'm teacher could not understand it. He goes, I'm smarter than you. You want to call me out like that? He still, to this day, he holds a grudge my brother does against a math teacher. No, I'm not joking. Was, not he, making it. Yes. Matt Damon, Goodwill Hunting. Yep. He said, I'm smarter than you? Yes. He oh, yelled great. at him. Oh, that's great. Uh, fall sports in full sp- uh, swing. Bet Rivers online sports book. Whether you're a football, <laughs> hockey, or basketball fan, Bet Rivers has you covered. Tuesday hockey. I can expand on that, by the way. Tuesday yeah. hockey first goal insurance. Friday night college football bet and get. Sunday football parlay insurance and more. Head to BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today. It's a whole new game. We'll run down the betting action from last night with Winsome. Dogs are crushing it lately in the NHL. Paulie with the details coming up next. (laughs) The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years 
and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Follow the Money on VSIN. College basketball's here, and now's the time to get your copy of the annual betting guide. 400 pages. Our biggest betting guide ever. Odds, trends, power ratings, analysis on every team. Matt Humans, Greg Peterson, predictions for win totals, conference champs, tournament teams, and all the new coaching changes. The only way to get it is to become a VSIN Pro subscriber. And sign up now for just $99. Get VEASAN Pro access. Everything we do through the Super Bowl. Sign up today. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Talk some NFL here. Josh Applebaum joins the program. VEASAN betting analyst and host. His podcasts are called Morning Bets and Market Insights. And uh, you can download, subscribe, and listen to those podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Josh, good morning. Uh, Let's begin with the game over in Germany. The Seahawks taking on the Buccaneers. Huge game now overseas for us, um, this game opened up Buccaneers won in Las Vegas on Sunday night. They're now up to two and a half pretty much everywhere. Where do you think this number goes? Will it touch three? And who do you like here? Yeah, Mitch and Paulie, it's great to be with you. This one's fascinating for me, guys, because it reminds me of like a mini kind of Georgia-Tennessee type game. Just from the perspective of the basically the public says the wrong team is favored. You know, you're getting too many points here with Seattle, who has been great. Remember, over the offseason, Seattle's win total was five and a half. It was juiced up over all summer. You know, we were kind of told from the media narrative that Seattle would be terrible. Well, that juice over the offseason, five and a half over, is looking pretty good right now. You've actually already cashed that now that you're six and three. So this Seahawks team has been great this year for better. Six and three ATS, six and three straight up. What's notable to me, guys, is the public likes Seattle here. You can't blame them. They've been great this year. They've been winning outright as dogs all year. But what's the market telling us? Tells me that you're getting some respected Tom Brady money coming in here, obviously getting a big win that he really needed and let off a big, you know, sigh and exhale there after the game leading that comeback win and pushing as the three point favorite against the Rams. But guys, looking from a betting perspective, you have about 65% of bets taking the points here with Seattle. But I think, Mitch, you hit the nail on the head. This open as low as Tampa Bay laying one in Munich, Germany. Now we're up to minus two and a half. So why is this line going to Tampa Bay if a big majority of bettors are saying, Give me Seattle all day. This looks like a trendy dog with Seattle. I like to go against these trendy dogs with the line moving in favor of Tampa Bay. You also have kind of a bad ATS, good ATS, buy low, sell high play. You know, the Bucks here, they're only two, six and one against the spread. They haven't covered numbers. You know, betters are kind of off the Brady train because he's not making them any money. Whereas Seattle has been great for better six and three ATS. So to your question, Mitch, I'm looking to see, do we get to the key number of three? I think if you do, you're going to get a lot of buyback here on Seattle plus three. But as of now, we got public on 
the Seattle Seahawks, yet the line's going to Tampa Bay. I'd look at money lining Tampa Bay here. Shop around. They're around minus 145. You do have Geno Smith, by the way, minus 135 for comeback player of the year. He's the leader right now. Oh, yeah. Mitch is well aware. Uh, I can't believe the total in that game either. Uh, that opened 46 and a half uh-huh. with the look-ahead line. What's the highest you saw Seattle to win the division? Was it 50? Um, 70? It, it was a huge number there. You're totally right. And again, they're still not favored. I believe San Francisco yeah, is the yeah. favorite San, there yeah. to win that. So, yep. yeah, we'll have to see how that, that yep. plays out, Paulie. But good point by you. Maybe still value on Seattle. How about Cleveland and Miami? Now, Miami, uh, a 6-0 and with Tua. Uh, their appointment television with these crazy games and this bad defense that they have. What do you think of Miami at home laying about uh, four in that range against Cleveland? So this seems like a layup here for Miami. You're laying just a short number here. Miami's six and three. You look at Cleveland just three and five. But I'd be a little bit wary of laying the points in this one. This line is actually going toward Cleveland. This open Miami as high as laying five and a half here at home. We've seen this number plummet all the way down to four. Uh, some shops are even now down to three and a half. So consistent movement here toward Cleveland. Cleveland's only getting 24% of bets at our VEASAN.com bet split. So the public is all over Miami. Yet, why are we seeing this line dip here to the Cleveland Browns? So only 24% bets, but almost 60% of the money on Cleveland. Somebody likes Cleveland. So this line is going in the direction of the Browns. You look at severe line moves. And this is another game that we talked about earlier here with the Josh Allen news. Severe line move here for the Minnesota Vikings. Nine all the way down to, to five, maybe even lower here. That severe line move, two points or more toward a dog, which does qualify the five and a half down to three and a half here with Cleveland. Those teams are 12 and six ATS this year, 67%. Sweet spot dogs getting three and a half or more, they're 65% ATS. And by the way, you do have the Browns coming off a bye. Miami's on regular rest here. It's a little bit of an advantage here. Rest versus tired for the Cleveland Browns. And line is going to Cleveland. I want to know, do we get closer to three? Will there be buyback? But as of now on a Wednesday, guys, a lot of money coming in here on the Cleveland Browns. You know, we were kicking around that uh, Bills-Vikings game before you popped on, and Jeffrey Benson here at Circus Sports, he tweeted out yesterday, in his opinion, that if Allen doesn't go, he'd make the number about two and a half. What would you and what would you ballpark that at? Do you think that's fair? Is that accurate, that if we get news at some point this week that Josh can't go, that it maybe hits a field goal or below? I think that's probably about right. And, you you know, we were talking about before the show, guys. I would say, yeah, two and a half, three. Obviously, you're going to give some home field advantage there uh, based on Bill's Mafia and the weather and being at home. But if it's Case Keenum, this is a huge game changer, guys, because we've seen across the market big movement here toward the Minnesota Vikings. They open as high as plus nine and a half. Imagine if you got the nine and a half, how you're feeling right now. Uh, you, you'd be feeling pretty good. That's some great closing line value here. But now you're all the way down to plus five. So we were talking about this earlier, but, you know, how do you bet the Vikings now at plus five, you keep kicking yourself saying, hey, I could have gotten a much better number earlier. But I look at it the other way. If this thing could get down, I see one book at four and a half. This thing could get all the way down to two and a half or three if Case Keenum plays. I actually like the value here still. I think there might be some value to grab the points here with the Vikings. Uh, severe line move system match. You also have Cousins as a dog of getting three or more. He's uh, 58% against the spread. Today's a big day to keep your eye on Twitter and the injury report because Allen, will he play or will he practice or not today? That's what I'm looking toward. But Kirk Cousins, you know, he, he was pretty happy on the plane on the ride home, guys. Yeah. I think he's probably happy if he's going to uh, oppose Keenum instead of Josh yeah, Allen. Yeah. Can you dance? Get better moves than Cousins? <laughs> they didn't, he wasn't doing much, right? <laughs> right? Was he was he, doing nothing. Get, no, no. Got, that was my move in high school. But <laughs> give you a guess how that worked out with the ladies. Not very good. Uh, yeah. So, by the way, that would be another break for the Vikings this year. Hey, if they could no catch, kidding. If they could catch the Bills with uh, no yeah. Josh Allen. And, and one more game here, Josh. So how the mighty have fallen, the Packers at home, and they are, you want to talk about teams that are banged up now. Look at this team. Uh, Gary now out for the year, their best defensive player, arguably their best defensive player, certainly on the line. Now, I mean, this number before the season started, my guess would have been Packers minus three, three and a half. Now they're catching five to the Cowboys. What do you make of this? So just from a look at standpoint, Mitch, it's like, oh, there's definitely value here on the Packers. You're getting now five. Again, look at it to your point, you know, Green Bay at home minus three or so in that one. But obviously things change. So look at numbers. They're a reference point. But when you have big changes, uh, especially with the Packers playing so poorly this year, you probably, you know, uh, probably an accurate number at this point laying the five. I actually lean toward the Cowboys here. I'm a big dog better in the NFL. But one angle I like with favorites is if you're coming off a buy. And Dallas, number one, they open minus three. A lot of these openers, now you're up to five. And that five at some shops, we're showing minus 110 Cowboys. But I'm seeing some minus fives, minus 115 toward Dallas, telling you this could get up to five and a half here. And it, it kind of makes sense to me. You have a favorite off a of buy, 57% against the spread. Those favorites off a of buy. What's notable is favorites do much better off a of buy than dogs do. Dogs are close to 50-50. 
favorites are 57% against the spread last decade, but it's those road favorites off a of bye where the public is like, oh, I like you because you're you're rested against a you know regular uh, you know weekly here performance here for the Packers who played last week. But they kind of, you know, are a little bit wary of laying points on the road, but it's actually been a better spot there. Favorites off a bye, 65% against the spread. That would match here with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, So I'd lean Cowboys in this one. Again, five might go to five and a half soon. Also, guys, we're starting to get a little bit of bad weather here as we get into November. Keep an eye on Lambeau Field in this one. We've seen this total drop, open 44 and a half. You're now down to around 43. It's going to be about 30 degrees, 10 mile per hour winds. Only 30% bets, but 60% money on that under. And you have seen when unders fall at least a half point, they're 64% uh, so far this season to the under. By the way, Micah Parsons, minus 225 defensive player of the year. No one's even close. Bosa's the next guy at plus 900. Yep, saw that yesterday. Uh, Great spot as always, Josh. Thanks for the time. Good luck this week. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great Wednesday. Yep. You can, again, catch his podcasts. Does him here for us at VEASAN. They're called Morning Bets and Market Insights, and you can get them wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, when I said that about the look-ahead number, I meant the ga- like a game of the year number before the season started. Packers would have been at least three, maybe even a touch higher than that because you can't forget about where their power rating was before the season started. They were thought of as one of the top, what, five teams in the league? Maybe six. They were better than the Cowboys yeah. uh, according to preseason numbers. Come on, Jerry. Go get Beckham. Make this happen. Go get make that happen. Imagine if they would have got Cooks and then he's, picked up Beckham too. He's I already mean, talking about it. Yeah, they got to get OBJ. That would be a nice little addition for that team. Yeah, uh, I heard people speculate that maybe the Rams could do it again. Uh, why would he want to go there? I don't know why not... he'd want to go there. I don't know. That That's a tough one for me to envision, unless he's really now dug in in Los Angeles and he just wants to be closer to you know what's familiar to him at this point. Well, they can't get the ball to Robinson. He doesn't throw to him. So that's what's exactly he, right. I don't know. Get... The, the Rams are broken. Absolutely. The, the, what are they, the, the, 28th and scoring all those key numbers? Yeah, Cowboys are live to make a serious run this year. Well, I mean, with that defense? Yeah, your Oriole Cowboy prop. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It's a good, it's got, a good run, I, I, I got, know. I got laughed at in May. <laughs> yeah. We win a playoff game first, the Orioles yeah, or the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, long ways to go. Maybe, you know, I mean, no, it's a good they, they were favored at home last year, and they pulled, remember that play at the end of the game? Hey, it's four, ridiculous. 14 seconds up. We're going to run see in the this? middle of the field. Did you see this? In the last 25 years, Garoppolo has more playoff wins than the Cowboys. That it's 4 sense. 3. Yeah. <laughs> what? That makes sense it's, to me. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jerry. Up next, the best and worst NFL and college teams ATS and with totals. A bunch of teams are covering at higher than 75%. Which ones? We'll tell you next here on Follow the Money. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. What's new at VSIN.com? Michael Lombardi's column on the Colts coaching situation. Josh Applebaum identifies the six NFL Week 10 games that the wise guys are targeting. And California voters rejected both propositions to legalize sports betting. Tough news yesterday, tough scene in California. What's new on vsin.com? Get up there. Let's begin this out. We're talking some college football as uh, Pat Forty is as good as it gets covering the sport. He does so for Sports Illustrated. He is uh, kind enough to join us for a few minutes today to go over the committee uh, rankings from last night. Pat, good morning. Let's begin with, thanks for the time as always. Let's begin with this. What did you like and what did you not like from the rankings last night? Uh, Mitch, I, I, I liked what they did with TCU. I think they should have been ahead of Tennessee. Uh, one of the things Boo Corrigan did say, the uh, selection committee chairman, is they viewed both Oregon's and Tennessee's losses to Georgia as one-sided. One of them, the score makes it clear. The other one, the score didn't make it clear. But everybody watched Tennessee-Georgia. Mm-hmm. That was a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And... I think considering it as such when you're ranking the teams is important, and I think TCU undefeated against a really just deep Big 12, especially now that Kansas has a pulse, uh, was was deserving to put them at four, undefeated, give them a chance. They've got a path. If If they're good enough and keep winning, they're going to the playoff. If not, hey, they've had a good season. Yeah, okay, so you think TCU, if they win out, 
Like that's it. Shut it down. They're going to be in. Yeah, thirteen and zero. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, I don't have any doubts. Okay. So, is there a scenario here? And we talked about this uh, earlier in the show. Could you see Michigan possibly being the second Big Ten team get in? What if they play a close game? It's a one-score game or a one-point game or a two-point game against Ohio State. Michigan loses that game. Could we, could we talk about the Buckeyes and the Wolverines each getting in? Oh, yeah. No, it's possible. Uh, you know, I think that they're the, the most interesting probably and contentious scenarios revolve around like a one-loss Tennessee, one-loss uh, Michigan one loss Pac-12 champion, maybe all battling for that fourth spot with, uh, you know, three undefeated teams getting in. If it's Ohio State, if it's Georgia, if it's uh, TCU, mm-hmm. uh, or even if it's three one-loss teams for two spots, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. That, right. That's where this could get really interesting. But here's the thing with Michigan that keeps coming up. Boo Corgan said this last night, that they are, that they, Michigan's non-conference schedule is an issue. And he said it last week. He said it this week. I think the committee is is holding that basically as leverage against Michigan over the fact that they did not play a Power Five team in the non-conference. And not only did they not play one, they chose to dump games against Power Five opponents. You know, they should have been playing UCLA this year, and they dumped that series. Uh, I believe they dumped at least one other series coming fall going forward. So. Michigan's made these decisions, and if it comes down to a hair-splitting contest, that could work against them. Oh, very good answer. Mm-hmm. Very good. But the other thing here, I, I'm, I'm all for it, though. I mean, if that's an epic game, close game, three, four-point game, Ohio State wins, I have no problem with Michigan in. I am surprised with what you just said, too, with the betting odds. Michigan's plus 140 to make the playoff. But I, I don't understand the four-letter network keeps going to work about can we get three in from the SEC? Can you talk about two from the Big Ten? <laughs> My God. You could, <laughs> but you might have to tune into Fox to hear that discussion. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Right. I, yeah. You know, kind of funny how that's working out. Uh, no, I, I mean, it, it's absolutely – it's much more viable possibility, I think, to have two from the Big Ten than three from the SEC. The SEC – I put itself in, in, you know, with Alabama losing, that, that, that made it more remote that they're going to get three. I think there's a chance they get two, but three, I think, became a much longer shot when Alabama lost. So yeah. there's, there's very much a chance more, or as much of a chance of two in from the Big Ten, I would think, as there is from, uh, from the SEC. Yeah, let me tie this in together, because you mentioned the non-conference. Do you think that's why they're holding UCLA back at number 12? And as you wrote today, uh, late last night, rather, Sports Illustrated. Oh, the brand-name bias. I mean, we can't be surprised by this, but you saw plenty of brand-name bias last night. Yeah, to your, to your first point, Polly. yeah, I mean, UCLA, which which wanted to play Michigan, didn't get a chance to, and so uh, their non-conference schedule was awful as well, and I, I think it is probably what's holding them back. They, I mean, they've been pretty good. They, they got spanked by Oregon, but right now everybody's getting spanked by Oregon. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the two that jumped out to me, the highest-ranked three-loss team is Texas. And the and two places behind them is Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame has two of the worst losses of anybody in the country. Yep. They lost to Marshall, who is currently in fourth place in the Sun Belt East, <laughs> and they lost to the last-place team in the Pac-12 in Stanford. Uh, yeah, you beat Clemson. That's a good win. You beat North Carolina. That's a good win. Not, not a phenomenal win, but it's a good win. But you can't overlook the losses there, in my opinion. And then Texas has lost to two unranked teams. They lost to Texas Tech. Uh, and they lost to – who's the other one? Shoot, I'm blank. Oh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Oh, yep. Totally got in yep. the tank. So, yep. you know, it's good to have a, a Longhorn on your helmet or a shiny gold helmet. Because <laughs> yes. <laughs> Terrific breakdown. At by Pat Forty on Twitter, Sports Illustrated. Listen to his podcast as well. Does a great job. The other thing, too, is USC. I mean, there's not meat on the bone right now, but you have UCLA and Notre Dame coming up, and then maybe the Pac 12 title game. So there's another one without, without a big win. They're sitting there at eight. There's a more brand name bias. Yeah, that, that's the thing is, is for them to already be at eight and not having beaten really anybody. Uh, They've got a chance because they do have this back-ended schedule out. They can win them. Their defense has got to actually stop somebody. But UCLA, Notre Dame, 
and then maybe an Oregon you know, back to back to back. That that would be, give them a chance to, for three huge wins if they're good enough. Do you think the Pac-12 will screw this up? Can, can they get someone to twelve and one uh, when the season ends? Uh, I think I think they can. I mean, I think Oregon can get there. Right now, to me, Oregon looks like the best team. The problem, you're still fighting that 46-point loss yeah. uh, from earlier in the year. But, boy, they're playing well. I mean, that's a good team. Uh, you know, just very, very good offensively across the board. They've got good players on defense. You know, I was, I was out there last month, talked to Chip Kelly. He, he was really impressed with their front seven. So, you know, I, I, I think Oregon's good enough. They just have to – they got to avoid having one game where it goes sideways against them against a good opponent. And that includes playing Utah uh, November 19th and then whatever happens if they get to the championship game. Okay, so we've avoided this area until now because we have to ask the question and get your opinion on this. If LSU, in fact, runs the table, that would include a win over Georgia in the SEC title game. Do you think they're going to get in? Or uh, was it Reese Davis last night, Paulie, who yeah, said yeah, blah, blah. Tennessee would block LSU? Yeah, I, think, I do think Tennessee blocks LSU. That's why, you know, Alabama losing, uh, they were higher ranked and they lost on, one, on the last play to Tennessee. LSU got smoked at home by Tennessee. And so I, I do, as long as Tennessee doesn't screw up, I, I think they're sitting there as a blockade to, uh, to LSU. So... We'll see how it plays out, but I do think the, the the best way for LSU to get in is to have three SEC teams getting in, and I don't see that happening. Yeah, neither do I. Are yeah. you okay in general with the idea of two, a two-loss team getting in right now? Uh, maybe. You know, I mean, one thing, I, I, the committee, I think, has been, for the most part, you know, really kind of records fixated, and this would be yeah. an indication that they can look past records to a degree. I mean, I... I'm all for rewarding undefeated, uh, and I'm usually for rewarding one loss over two loss, but what if the two-loss team just played a better schedule? Mm-hmm. And LSU's played a really good schedule, and especially if they can, if they can beat Georgia uh, in the championship game, that, that, would, that would put a lot of meat on that bone. When you talk to uh, coaches or your, your colleagues, I mean, you, yourself included, I mean, you can't wait till we get to a 12-team playoff. And we're done with this business as well. And and it just it just makes it worse when they have to trot the committee chair out there and answer these questions and try to spin on why a team is ranked here and why there and all this business. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be so much better for so many reasons. I mean, much much less of this sort of kind of inane, uh, I don't know, explanations from the committee chair. No matter who it is. They, the more you talk, the worse you sound when you're the committee chair. Yes. I don't know why they make them do this. I would just sit there and say, we weighed all the factors. This is how we came out. And just keep repeating that over and over as opposed to having, you know, a guy, an athletic director, a career businessman attempting to explain, you know, U.S. or TCU's offense or something. I Like, no, just don't do it. And so – I will, that'll be less important and less of a factor when you get to 12 teams. More of, it, more of the good teams will get in. Campus games in that first round. There I mean, I was go. there at Tennessee, Georgia, and watched the crowd materially affect the game. And so you're going to get those 5 through 12 games will be on campuses. And you watch when we get to quarterfinals, the 1 through 4 teams are going to be watching that and saying, hey, we, we had the best seasons. We deserve that same home field advantage. We deserve the chance to have seven false start penalties against our opponent when they mm-hmm. come to town as opposed to playing in the antiseptic uh, uh, stadium somewhere else. So I, I think that we're going to head in that direction. I think it's just going to be a great playoff when we get to 12. Well great said. answer. Yep. Great answer. You can read Pat in Sports Illustrated, and you can uh, get his podcast. It's called the College Football Inquirer. Uh, Pat, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time today. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Have a good day. Yep, you Thanks, too. Pat. And he also wrote today, too, this will be the first time in the nine-year history with no Clemson, no Alabama. And a lot of people, like myself included, will find that refreshing. It's great for the sport. Yeah. It has to be more open than oh, what it yeah. was. Everyone has a chance. Oh, yeah, And then with the, the quarterfinal games on campus sites. Oh, God. Uh, be, I, I, I mean, again, imagine Stillwater, Oxford. I mean, that's the biggest thing to happen there. I, I can't believe people have fought this for so long. Yeah. It's just, you, you scratch your head for decades. Like, what are you, what are you missing how do you not have any vision whatsoever? This thing is going to be bigger than the Super Bowl, bigger than the NFL playoffs. We'll look at uh, look-ahead lines in Week 11 NFL coming up next. Do you finally have a couple of good survivor picks?
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. Get a $10 free bet when you sign up for First Bet, VEASAN's preferred horse racing app. Use code HORSE200 for the $10. Plus, get 100% match on the first deposit up to $200. Wagering at more than 300 tracks, AI-assisted picks. First Bet app, easiest way to bet on your favorite sport. Great customer service. Details at VEASAN.com slash horses. And a great job this past weekend by Jeff Siegel as well with his place. Our opinion, the best in the world, the NBA, Aaron Redding, professional sports better. Joins us now. Great to talk with ER. I think it's been a, a strange start to the season, but you've done well, and you think it's pretty straightforward with what's uh, gone on to start the year. Yeah, good to be with you guys. Yeah, I mean, what are we three weeks in? It feels like three days, but uh, kind of a whirlwind. Yeah, it's it, you know, I, I I think you know a team like Utah, which we might talk about. You know, their their season over under win was was really low. And, you know, obviously they, they, you know, they might tank towards the end of the year and, um, you know, probably make some trades as well. But I mean, they, you know, I think the market, obviously nine and three gets the spread nine and three straight up, got a team like that wrong. Some other teams maybe that they thought were going to tank 
um, that have been better than expected. So, uh, you know, I think that was kind of the one thing. Golden State, you know, you, you pretty much knew that they would get off to a slow start, limited minutes by their guys. Yeah. Obviously a great run last year, tremendous defense, but, you know, they haven't played any kind of defense. So, you know, really nothing surprises me. And, you know, the uh, Brooklyn, I mean, that was straightforward. I mean, just a dead bet against. You knew that they weren't going to play for Nash till he was out of there. And then, you know, now it's time to jump on them. Kyrie gets suspended. They get rid of Nash. It's 3-0, you know, 1-7 against the spread. Those two things happen, and now all of a sudden 3-0 against the spread. Yeah, good point. How about the level of concern with Minnesota? And have you changed your mind on any teams uh, thus far? Yeah, Minnesota, I, I bet them, what was it, last week when they went to Phoenix. And I thought it was a decent spot for the T-Wolves and just, this, they were not in the game. They were not even close. They're just not ready for prime time. You know, it, it's so difficult in the NBA right now to, to play a true center, especially a guy that can't stretch the floor, the floor and, and shoot threes. I mean, you know, Anthony Edwards didn't have a, a, a dunk. I said, you know, for, for the longest time, the lane is clogged up. So, you know, the regular season generally you can get by, but we've seen the playoffs and, and just the, the nature of the game, you know, the five out you know, shooting three-pointers, it, it's just difficult to play with a, a traditional center right now. Yeah. Okay, so we have a, a bunch of really good games on a loaded schedule tonight. You brought up the Jazz. I wanted to ask you about the Hawks. Well, those two teams play each other tonight. It's in Atlanta. Where are you at with the Hawks right now? Seven and three on the season, and they're coming off of a pretty impressive win over the Bucks. Yeah, without Trey Young, he's questionable here tonight. They are in a back-to-back situation, so I probably lean that he probably sits once again tonight, but, you know, obviously I don't know. Maybe he's all right, and he'll play uh, in both of these games as they got a home game against Philadelphia tomorrow. I'm pretty neutral uh, on Atlanta. I've been playing them a little bit uh, on their games over the total, obviously, with uh, Murray. They played at a breakneck pace, and, you know, they kind of keep that pace going and, uh, throughout the game now is they can play both of those, or, you know, they can stagger and, and have one of those guards in the game uh, throughout the contest. So, you know, they still, you know, need to kind of figure out from a defensive standpoint, the bench isn't quite there. Uh, Bogdanovich isn't back when he gets back, boy, uh, they'll be tough. So certainly uh, not the sky's the limit, but, you know, a top four seed is the limit for them. But, you know, to me, the jazz are just a great story. They're, you know, I, I like some of their players. I don't like some of their players. But, you know, they go 10 deep. They have a lot of guys with things to prove. Conley has kind of taken over as the leader of that team. You know, they, this is a team that needed, uh, you know, refreshing. The new coach has done a great job so far. They're, they're really playing well uh, together. And like I say, they're just one of those teams you look at from a regular season standpoint where they can mix, mix and match, find the hot guy. Uh, that night, so they've been totally underrated. Uh, been betting them just about every single game, and betting them on the money line as well. So I've cashed some decent dog prices with them. Okay, and I and I'll be and I'll be on them again tonight. Okay, very good. Um, have you been building your bankroll betting against the Lakers every night? <laughs> you know, Mitch, I, I haven't, uh, uh. and I, I bet against them some. Certainly not enough. Two and eight against the spread. Two and eight straight up. I, I thought they got rid of some baggage coming into the season, but obviously not enough. I mean, boy, what a dumpster fire. I mean, it's, it's amazing the GM still has a has a job. I mean, everything that you can do wrong, uh, they seem to do it. But obviously, uh, the lack of shooting, spacing, um, you know, the, just the chemistry, it, it, it's been bad. I, I think, Mitch, you texted me about when they played Portland uh, the Sunday to yep. – you know, the first week of the season, and I didn't have, you know, I didn't bet that game. I wasn't crazy about Portland uh, at the time, but watch that game carefully. It's just awful shooting, and uh, I've certainly picked my spots. Go against them generally on their home floor, uh, but I've had definitely had some winners against them. Yeah, they're two and eight. They get the Clippers tonight. Clippers have four and seven ATS, by the way, yeah. for the Clippers. They're struggling. Clippers have beat them eight in a row, too. I love this Cleveland team. I know a tough loss against the Clippers the other night. They blew a 13-point lead late, but Mitchell's averaged 30 a game. Mobley's a beast. Garland's playing well. Uh, Allen's a good player. They continue the West Coast swing. What do you think of Cleveland off the tough loss if you want to come back with the Cavs tonight? 
Yeah, I, I'm going to have a, a smaller bet on Cleveland here tonight. No, you're right, Paulie. They are, you know, it's interesting to see how Mitchell's going to fit in. And, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan. I didn't know how much of an impact uh, he was going to make, but he certainly is. I mean, two of the best games all year uh, when they matched up against Boston uh, for those couple of games. But, no, they've been great, a little bit banged up um, with Garland, as you mentioned. But, again, it's a very deep team, and, you know, they, they struggle a little bit to defend on the perimeter. But, you know, they got those guys in the middle that uh, can, can um, you know, back that up and, and back some of that poor defense up. So uh, I've been a little bit surprised. I haven't been betting them that much, but, again, bet them here tonight. And, you know, this is not a great spot for Sacramento. This is the first game uh, off a road trip, kind of winded up uh, with uh, they're all out to beat uh, Golden State, actually blew that lead. Uh, the other night. So this is a, a poor spot for Sacramento. Uh, I'm going to back uh, Cleveland in this one. Follow the money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Professional sports better Aaron Renning, uh, as good as it gets betting the NBA. So you mentioned the Jazz tonight, the Cavs as well there. Uh, Pelicans mm-hmm. laying a small number against the, the Bulls. Uh, it's on the road in Chicago. Uh, do you like the Pelicans here at this small number? I do. Um, you know, I, I still am not crazy about this Bulls team, so I'm picking my spots. Uh, against them, and I've done pretty well doing that. Obviously, Levine's been in and out of the lineup. It doesn't make that much of a difference um, uh, for me, whether I bet uh, against them or, or on them or however I do it. But, you know, it's still, you know, remember they got off to that great start last year, but, you know, from a, a net rating, they, you know, overall they're a below-average team uh, last year. Really like this Pelicans team. You know, I, I think the market has them priced pretty well, obviously, to be a favorite. Uh, here in this game, but they were banged up to start the year. They've had a couple of games, and boy, off a really poor effort uh, the other night against the Pacers. So I think Zion, Ingram, everybody's back in the fold for this team. And, you know, again, just a young team up and coming for the most part. Uh, McCollum leads the way. So I uh, really like this Pelicans team. I, I think uh, they got a great chance to get a win here tonight. Got a bet on, got a bet on them and uh, lean over the total as well. Yeah. And you're riding the Nets one more time? I am. You know, again, it's just one of those situations where, you know, the other night they were plus six, six and a half uh, against Dallas. And, you know, they, they're just priced. Um, you know, with that poor start, I, I think they're yep. a little bit underpriced at this point. The market may be catching up. And, you know, again, it's not a big bet. I, I, I do like this Knicks team, but uh, they're up against it a little bit from a defensive perspective. They played at a uh, Knicks are playing at a crazy pace uh, from a uh, up and down the court perspective, but yeah, I got to keep it going here. New coach, no Kyrie in the fold, uh, KD's team now, so uh, I'm going to uh, look to keep back at this Nets team. Very good. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at er sports one. Always good catching up with you, uh, Aaron. Good luck tonight, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. All right. Uh, good luck. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you. You too. So again, Jazz. Uh, tonight has been on them a lot this season. Pelicans tonight as well. Those are bigger, smaller Cavs and Nets for his place. Nets lane three against uh, the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tricky matchup. Uh, Knicks playing at a crazy pace. They, they were great against Minnesota. Blew them out. I mean, you really I mean, got to be concerned about Minnesota, Yeah, how they're playing, and what the Knicks did on the road in oh, that game. His point about the Wolves, right? Yeah. It's tough to, you know, just acquire this God. big guy who doesn't do anything on offense and shove him right in the middle of the lane and be like, okay. Are you ready to say it already? Major mistake? Forget about what the, I, I guess it's part of the discussion. But when you give up six number ones, you better be the team to beat in your conference. Well, I mean, And this is a train wreck. I, I hated the, the trade when they made it. Oh. But thought it was going to be good for the regular season this so year. So did I. I know. And it's yep. right about the Edwards and nothing in the, available in the lane. Door number one or door number two is up next. Which team would you rather bet to make the playoffs around plus $2? Hint, neither team is exactly hot at the moment. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. Fall sports in full swing. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, your home, all the latest lines, odds, and boost. Whether it's football, hockey, or basketball, they have you covered. Tuesday hockey, first goal insurance. Sunday football parlay insurance is more. 
and more. Friday night college football bet plus get. Head to BetRivers.com or download the app today at BetRivers. It's a whole new game. No bias. You will respect my authority. No pulled punches. Your wife cheated on you because you lost sight of who you are as a man, as a husband. No agenda. There is no fear in this dojo. This is no hyperbole. This is the best part of the week. Here's the maestro, Mike Baum. All right, number five, Kyle wasn't right. Even though one team or the other held a 5-0 lead in each of the first four games of this year's World Series, I thought it was a very solid product. You had a great story in the Phillies, who were left for dead at the end of May at 21-29, and 29, rallied to make the final wildcard spot when Mitch's Brewers raised the white flag at the trade deadline, and then went on to beat two, two top seeds in the National League before disposing of the Padres to make the World Series. Eventually, they would succumb to the best team in baseball, the Houston Astros, in six games. The Phillies fans stole the show. They set a record for merchandise sales, eclipsing the 2016 Chicago Cubs, and provided the best home field advantage in baseball since the 87 Minnesota Twins. The viewing experience was also enhanced by the tremendous job done by Joe Davis and John Smoltz calling the games. One favor Padres, the Padres did the viewers was to knock out the Dodgers, making it much more, e- much more likely for Fox to choose Davis over Buck. And let's not forget the first no-hitter since Don Larson's perfect game 66 years ago. I had very little to quibble about during the World Series, but Kyle Schwarber does make the list at number five with his at-bat in the eighth inning of game six. The Astros had rallied from a 1-0 deficit in the sixth inning to take a 4-1 lead. Schwarber faced Houston reliever Brian Abreu with two outs and no one on. The count was 1-2 and two when Schwarber decided to bunt. He fouled the pitch back and ended the inning. Now, bunting to third base to beat the shift may go the way of the dodo with Major League Baseball's new rules going into effect next season, but this was certainly a peculiar time with two strikes. Consider also Schwarber's 46 home runs during this season. And this was the eighth inning, not the ninth. I'd sure like my chances of cutting it to 4-2 with one swing of the bat with a power hitter up against trying to bunt with no margin for error. Number four. The bloom is off LaFleur. The Packers had lost four consecutive games before heading into Sunday's get-right spot at the hapless 1-7 Detroit Lions. Despite losing on Sunday night football to the Bills, the Packers seemed to have found some rhythm to the running game with Aaron Jones rushing for 132 yards on 20 carries. On the Packers' very first possession on Sunday, they marched to the Lions' five-yard line on 12 plays and had first and goal when Aaron Rodgers' pass was tipped and intercepted. On the Packers' second possession, they had first and goal from the one-yard line. No, no Aaron Jones. They handed off to A.J. Dillon for no gain and then gave up on the running game. Two incomplete <laughs> passes later in the start of the second quarter. Would Lafleur take the field goal to have his first lead in six quarters? Of course not. Let's call a pass play where Rodgers has to throw against his body. Of course, the result, an interception. The Packers would fail again on fourth down before the first half ended and trailed 8-0 at the break, eventually falling 15-9 to drop to 3-6, four and a half games behind the Vikings in the NFC North. Despite a banged-up receiving core, the Packers passed the ball 43 times. Aaron Jones off the performance in Buffalo got only nine carries, compared to A.J. Dillon's 11. And despite outgaining the Lions 389-254 and controlling the ball for 35 minutes, LeFleur found a way to lose as the favorite for the fourth time in five games. Citizens of Green Bay! Hasn't he earned his pink slip yet? Number three, consistently inconsistent. Sunday's game in the Windy City became a shootout between the Dolphins and the Bears. The Dolphins prevailed thanks in large part to a pair of pass interference decisions in the fourth quarter. The first came with 11-22 left in the game. Miami faced second and 10 from their own 18. Tua Tagovailoa's pass to Jalen Waddle was incomplete, but defensive pass interference was called on Bears safety Eddie Jackson. Jackson said the official who threw the flag said he didn't see Jackson play the ball, despite the fact that Jackson never looked at Waddle. That 47-yard penalty put the ball at the Bears 35. The defense eventually stopped Miami on fourth and one, but not before the Dolphins ran over three and a half minutes off the clock. The second call, or non-call should I say, came with 135 left in the game. Bears quarterback Justin Fields threw a ball deep left to newly acquired wide receiver Chase Claypool. Despite being pulled down with with both arms by Dolphins quarterback Keon Crossan, no pass interference was called. 
the Barons would have had the ball inside the Dolphins' 25 with a minute and a half left. Instead, they were stopped on 4th and 10, and the Dolphins win 35-32. Hall of Fame and Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy tweeted, Watching so many of these games comes down to one possession or play. It is really crazy how pass interference is called so inconsistently. Perhaps coaches should be allowed one blanket challenge in which the officials would review anything on the field, including pass interference, delay of game, false starts, face masks, roughing the passers. The only problem with that is Matt Eberflus might have used it on the Eddie Jackson defensive pass interference and not have it left for Claypool. Number two, a glaring omission. The finalists for Major League Baseball season-long awards were announced this week, and one category contained a very glaring omission. The finalists for AL Cy Young are Justin Verlander, Dylan Cease, and Alec Manoa. Verlander, a two-time Cy Young winner, led the American League in wins at 18-4, ERA at 175, and whip at 0.83, and is the deserving favorite. Dylan Cease went 14-8 for the Sox and was second in ERA and strikeouts to Garrett Cole. Alec Manoa went 16-7 for the Blue Jays, third in ERA, fourth in whip. But where was Framber Valdez? He is one of only two pitchers in the top 10 in each of the following categories. Wins, win percentage, ERA, whip, Ks, and innings mm -hmm. pitched. Dylan Cease is the other. Valdez set a single season record for consecutive quality starts, pitching six plus innings and earning three or, and, and yielding three or less earned runs with 25, 25 straight starts in which he went at least six innings and led the American League in innings pitched. And while it did not factor in the voting, Valdez went 4-0 in his postseason starts, including winning games two and deciding game six in the World Series. I would have had Framber Valdez second on my ballot behind Verlander. Now, some have questioned Shohei Otani's absence as a finalist. The reality is that he was not in the top 20 in innings pitched in the American League, due in large part to his six days of rest that he required up until the Angels were completely out of playoff contention. Number one, Saturdays in the park. On Monday, Colts owner Jim Ursay fired head coach Frank Reich. The move was not unexpected. Who did he choose to replace Reich? That was unexpected. Did he re promote someone from his own staff with NFL head coaching experience, like John Fox or Gus Bradley? Did he tab a promising up-and-comer like Bubba Vitrone? No. Instead, he named Colts longtime center and ESPN analyst Jeff Saturday as interim head coach. Saturday has zero college or NFL coaching experience. He was, however, 4-7 and seven in one season as a high school coach at a small Christian school north of Atlanta. Why would Urche choose Saturday? Well, let's listen to the presser. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. He doesn't have that, that fear, and there was no other candidate. We were fortunate that he was available, um, and he has tons of experience. First problem for Saturday is that no one on his staff has been a play caller. So he started interviewing members of the staff on Monday. He landed on passing game specialist slash assistant quarterback scope, Park Frazier. Frazier is reported to be among the leaders of the staff and the use of technology and data. But wait, didn't Ursay just send a shot across the bow at analytics? Is any of this really happening? A head coach with your experience, a play caller who has never called plays, a struggling offensive line and overwhelmed second-year quarterback who went 0 for 14 on third downs last week in Foxborough. Say it ain't so. There you go. Well done. Yep. Coaches are afraid. What is? I'm glad that he has no experience. I can't believe he's available. I can't, I mean, yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Where do you begin? We were lucky. He's, he was available. Oh god. I. I you know what I would do if Come I'm in on, Indy. Jim. I would say, okay, here you go. You can have my season tickets done. I'm no longer going to uh, re-up my season tickets. I There's no way I can support this product. Yeah. And the comparisons he made to Arians as well. Oh, he said, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I had an interim coach before Arians. Right. I think that worked out. Yeah, right. I was yeah. around Ted Marcher, bro. <laughs> what is he talking yeah. about, Paul? Had, was... Oh, my God. Arians, that resume was so thick. I, yeah, yep. Oh. This guy comes out of the... Uh, booth on ESPN 
Peyton Manning was shocked by the news. He didn't know. He learned about it from the ESPN report. Was never yeah. consulted. Yeah. This is going to go well, huh? I, I, I feel bad for the. I feel bad for this team. Just uh, imagine this, though. Imagine if they actually beat the Raiders this week. We say that every. We might single... be looking at another interim coach. That's what we're, we say. Yeah. We've been saying it for a yeah. month yeah. with McDaniel's. Yeah. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on the committee rankings from last night, and also uh, talk about this story involving suspicious uh, betting activity from the weekend. Did they see any of that here at Circa? And how often does something like that pop up? It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.